0: Friends, I am your host Jade and welcome or welcome back to Criminal Curiosity, the true crime podcast that dives into bizarre and fascinating cases. Together we talk about everything in the true crime world, whether you've heard of them or not. So buckle up and get ready to feed your curiosity with Criminal Curiosity. This week we're talking about the disappearance of seven-year-old Alexis Patterson, who went missing only a block away from her house in May 2002. So let's get started. Alexis Patterson was born on April 4, 1995, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to Ayana Patterson and Kenya Campbell. She was known as Lexi or Pi by her friends and family. Ayana left Kenya and found a man named Laurent Bourgeois, with whom she married a few years later. Alexis was described as a chatty, very active seven year old. Her favorite color was pink, and she enjoyed roller skating and carrying her pink Barbie backpack to school. Alexis went to High Mount Boulevard Elementary School in Milwaukee. Ayana gave birth to her daughter with LaRon in 2001. Kenyo was charged in a civil lawsuit filed by the city of Milwaukee on May 1, 2001, because they requested that he pay back a $7,500 fine for wrecking a car that wasn't his own. Kenya had the option of paying a $100 bail or remaining in prison until May 6, 2002, and this is pretty significant to the timeline. Prior to Alexis's disappearance, in April 2002, someone wrote the school a couple of letters informing them that a man was lurking around and had once attempted to abduct a young boy. Police got involved in this and tried to locate the man, or any men, actually, who were wandering around the school, but they were unsuccessful. A week later, a teacher notices Alexis talking with an unknown woman and informs the principal and Ayana Patterson. When Ayana arrived home, she talked to Alexis about, you know, talking to strangers and the dangers that came with it. However, the teacher discovers Alexis talking to the same woman behind the school two days later. Alexis is getting ready for school on Tuesday, May 3rd, 2002 when her mother asks if she finished her homework from the night before and she says no. Ayana told her that she couldn't bring the cupcakes that they bought the day before for her classmates because she didn't complete her homework. Because of this little disagreement that Alexis and her mother had, Alexis was pretty upset. She left the house at around 8 a.m. with her stepfather, Laurent Bourgeois. Her elementary school was only a block from her house, which was 242 steps. When they arrive at the school, Laurent watched Alexis cross the crosswalk and walk towards the playground before classes begun, and this was something that she did all the time. Alexis is nowhere to be seen at school. She doesn't show up for her classes, she doesn't show up for lunch or recess, but the teachers didn't think something bad happened right away. When Alexis isn't at home by 2.55pm, Ayana heads to the school where she finds out that Alexis missed all her classes. Since Alexis was constantly attending school and she never missed a day, Ayana questioned the teacher as to why she was not informed that Alexis had missed her classes. Ayana visits Alexis' grandmother and asks if she heard from Alexis, which she hadn't, and soon after Ayana calls the police to report her daughter missing. Police arrive at the house an hour later and start searching it and the nearby school. Police conducted a grid search starting in the area around the house and the school and then moving up the street where, where there were additional neighborhoods and continuing further checking into abandoned buildings. They establish a mobile command post the following day on May 4, 2002. And a few days later, Milwaukee chief, Arthur Jones, gave a press conference in which they stated that they believe Alexis was a runaway because of the little disagreement about her not taking the cupcakes to school. Alexis did not have a history of running away. And again, authorities quickly labeled her disappearance as a runaway. Police start looking for Alexis in the neighboring waters using boats, helicopters, volunteers, and horses milwaukee police announced on may 14 2002 that they no longer view alexis as a runaway but rather as an endangered child held under suspicious circumstances in an effort to find out more police started talking to alexis's classmates several students claimed to have seen a red truck parked close to the school one week before the disappearance the truck was gone when alexis disappeared and it never showed up again police had no idea if the truck was related to Alexis's disappearance and were never able to identify it. Police questioned Ayana and Lauren, and they both maintained their innocence. Police didn't completely investigate Alexis's biological father because according to Milwaukee police files, he was in prison until May 6, 2002. A few months later in August 2002, police received a tip from an unidentified caller claiming that a little girl's body had been discovered in the northeastern Milwaukee River. Divers were dispatched to search the river, but they came up empty-handed. The police then started looking for anyone who had recently been on the sex offender list, recently released from prison, or was on parole, but again, they were unsuccessful. Leron was given a polygraph test by the police in the spring of 2003 on May 8th, which he failed. Now, Polygraph tests are unreliable and they're not admissible in court, but it does stick out at the fact that he did fail a polygraph test. Ayana passed her polygraph test, and shortly after, the divorce proceedings. Ayana did pass her polygraph tests, and shortly after, she began the divorce proceedings from Laron. In Milwaukee in 1994, Laron was a getaway driver in a bank robbery gone wrong that was carried out by his accomplice, Booker T. Ship. Officer Ronald Headbenny was pursuing Booker on foot when he exited the bank because the police were already there. Booker shot the officer numerous times in the neck and died on the way to the hospital. Leron and his partner would temporarily escape capture. After they failed at their second attempt of bank robbery, Leron was arrested and offered immunity in exchange for testifying against his accomplice. So Leron has been on the Milwaukee Police Department's radar for quite some time. So when he fails the polygraph test, he claims that he was not informed of the outcome of the test and that he had nothing to do with Alexis's disappearance. In 2005, Ayana and LaRon's divorce was finalized, and since then he was in and out of prison until he died in 2021 at the age of 53 from a drug overdose. In 2013, Kenya Campbell was sentenced to some time in prison for hitting his 8-month-old daughter, and many people suspected that he had something to do with Alexis's disappearance. He was charged with three counts of child abuse and one count of child neglect. Kenya claims that he woke up his mother one night and told her that the baby had fallen off the couch and had a split lip. When Kenya left for work, his mother was pretty concerned and brought the baby to the hospital. A CT scan revealed that the infant had suffered head trauma, a broken jaw, broken ribs, a lacerated liver, and bruises all over her body. When the police arrive at the house to conduct their investigation, they question the mother, who claims, but it happened after Kenya had already left for work. Kenya was then interviewed and stated that the baby had no injuries when he picked her up. He pleaded not guilty to the charges. If you actually look at it, he technically couldn't have been involved in Alexis' disappearance because he was in prison until May six, and Alexis went missing May 3rd. Many people believe that the person who called the police to report a girl's body near the river was Alexis's abductor and that they did so to divert their attention from themselves and get further and further away. Alexis's conversation with the woman and the man who made the attempt to kidnap a boy was never positively identified by police. Many people started to believe that Ayana was responsible for her daughter's disappearance. In the summer of 2016, a reporter showed Ayana a photo. It was an age-progressed image of a woman named Lisa from Bryan, Ohio, because maybe whoever kidnapped her raised her to believe that this was her name, this is your birthday, all of that. Lisa and Ayana chose to take a DNA swab test because Lisa and Alexis had similar birthmarks and other physical characteristics such as the same mole under their left eye near their nose, the same bumps on their pinky fingers, and the same scars under their right eye. When Lisa tracked down her birth certificate, it stated that she was born in 1988, which would make her 7 years older than Alexis, and when the DNA was tested, it was not a match. Ayana couldn't really believe that the DNA results were not a match. And in order to ensure that the police did not make a mistake, she hired a private investigator to make sure that the police did not get it wrong. Because they didn't accept Ayana's account of what happened on the day Alexis went missing, the police said that they wouldn't run another DNA test unless she agreed to a second polygraph. When Ayana visited the FBI and told them the same thing, they told her the exa- exact they told her the exact same thing, that they are not going to test the DNA again unless she agreed to take another polygraph exam. It has been 21 years since Alexis Patterson went missing and now I wanna talk about the racial disparity between Alexis's disappearance and the disappearance of 14 year old Elizabeth Smart. Alexis is a black girl and is still missing 21 years later and Elizabeth is a white girl who was found nine months later. Elizabeth's story is well known and it's among the earliest examples of missing children that I was aware of. Elizabeth went missing on June 5th, 2002 and Elizabeth's story was covered by the Larry King Show and Fox News a few hours after she went missing. For Alexis, who went missing a month prior, it took eight days. her story to make the news, and weeks later her story was featured in an episode of America's Most Wanted. When Elizabeth was missing for two weeks, USA Today, which reports the news, published three stories about her disappearance. While there was none on Alexis's story, and it's still that way today. When I was researching this case, it was very hard to find information on Alexis's story. The day after Elizabeth went missing, the police called the FBI and offered a $250,000 reward. In Alexis's case, the FBI joined three days later and 19 days after she was last seen, police offered a $10,000 reward. My thoughts, one thing I always think about is now that the, the times are changing and we have social media, we're able to make good use of it. And still today when a white woman goes missing or murdered you know, everyone puts their effort in and every single lead is exhausted and it's all over the news and on social media. And I'm not saying that shouldn't happen, but they should put that same energy towards black and brown people. I have never seen a case like Gabby Petito where it blew up the way it did. It was like you couldn't get away from it because it was everywhere. And it makes me think of the Black children, men and women who go missing or are murdered, whose stories are not known. As I've gotten older, I have become more sensitive to these cases, and I think it's just because that I've grown up, I've matured, and I understand emotions a bit better. Sometimes I believe that I have become desensitized to true crime stories, and I'm not at all, and that's perfectly fine because I'm a human being and I have... Feelings. When Alexis went missing in May 2002, I would be turning two years old two months later in July 2002. I'm 23 now, and my sister wasn't even born when this case happened, and this month she celebrated her 21st birthday. And it highlights the length of time that family members have been missing their loved ones while receiving no answers. And it's crazy to think how many birthdays you don't get to celebrate, how many graduations you don't get to celebrate, you don't get to know the likes and dislikes of your child, what they would have been like, and major milestones, whether that's getting their first job or having their first child or going to college, graduating high school. It's heartbreaking because people miss, miss those things. I've said it so many times, but black and brown people are human beings. Who should not be treated as less than? They deserve answers. And it has been twenty-one years since Alexis disappeared. She would be twenty-eight years old today, and I like to think that she's still out there. And with that, today's story comes to an end. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, every ep- every Thursday there is a new episode at seven a.m. You can keep up with me in the podcast at Instagram at Criminal Curiosity Pod. That is all that I have for you today please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time, bye everyone.